Hello, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is Mike Hopkins, a minister here at 17th Street Christian Church here in Corbin. And today's conversation is titled Come Home. I don't know about you all, but I love a good story. It's one reason I love a good TV show or a good movie is I love a story that you can identify with, one that teaches you a lesson, and one that just kind of, you know, puts everything into perspective. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus is one of the best storytellers to ever live. And today we're going to be walking through one of his most famous stories or parables he ever told and how it can apply to us. This is the story of the lost son. So again, thank you for listening. If you enjoy this message, I would encourage you to share it with someone. That way they can get something out of it as well. Check out our website at www.17scc.com. You can watch our services there and get information and upcoming events and everything you need to know about the church. But hey, we would also love to see you one Sunday morning here at 11 o'clock in Corbin. And we would just love it if you would come check us out. So again, thanks for listening and enjoy. Hey, good morning. Again, welcome to 17th Street. Thank you guys so much for being here today. And before we get started, I have a confession to make. So Mike messed up this morning, church. And now you're in for it. So I'm sorry. Um, I, I got here and, you know, getting everything ready this morning, and usually Sunday mornings I'm kind of running around trying to make sure things where it needs to be, and then I was running around this morning like, everything's where it needs to be, and I'm just kind of walking around, sipping my coffee, talking, and, and then I realized I left my computer at home. Well, guess what's on the computer? The sermon slides. So, uh, so anyway, so today we are going old school, okay? So if you got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 15. We're going to be in that for the majority of the morning. If you don't have one, they are in front of you. So anyway, apologize about that. We will have those for y'all, y'all next week. Um, that was my bad. But again, good morning, guys. Thank you all so much for being here today. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Um, last week, we wrapped up our series that took, you know, 10 or 11 weeks. It took a while. Um, I think we took one Sunday off there in the middle. Uh, we finished up our conversation last week on the Ten Commandments. We took a week and broke down every single commandment that God has given us. Just a real quick recap, and then we'll kind of stop talking about those for a while. Um, you know, as the Israelites were on their journey from the Egypt to the land of Canaan, God came to them and on their journey gave them these commands, laws that still apply to us today. They are not void. They are law today. And we took a week, um, we took one every single week and broke it down. And I really enjoyed that conversation because there's so much more to each command than just the first obvious truth. And if you weren't here for any of those, or maybe you missed one, or maybe you're here listening for the first time, like, well, that sounds interesting, go to our website, click that watch button, and you can scroll down. You can find all of those messages um, for every single week. And actually, I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they didn't even know we had it, so I apologize if I've not talked about it enough. If you go to our church's website, and you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's a list there, there's a box, and we actually have a podcast version of all of our sermons. Um, every audio is recorded, it's put into that, and we can actually boost the audio, so it's a lot louder, it's a little bit more clear, so it's a good quality. You don't have to have the video up, it's a good thing to do in the car if you want to listen, so go check that out in case you're interested. I, I didn't realize a lot of people didn't know we had that, but those are uploaded usually every Monday afternoon. Um, but anyway, so another thing I want to talk about is something I do almost weekly, and I know some of you enjoy it because you smile, but a lot of times when I do it, I see some eyes rolling. Um, so a lot of times what I do, I talk about movies a lot. I talk about my TV shows. I know some of y'all like it, and then every time I mention it, I'm like, oh, here we go again. There's Mike and another movie. I do it a lot. And I was going to show y'all a picture today, but one of the reasons I like to do that, you can find almost any film or anything that matches with you know, a theology or a doctrine or a biblical story 
There's just, you know, so much content out there. But another reason I like it is I love just finding characters that I identify with. I love when I'm watching something and I see somebody, I'm like, man, I share so much in common with that person, even if they're the villain in the, in the show or movie. And just to watch them, you know, go up and down and make mistakes. I, I just love doing that. But there's another reason I love, you know, that form of entertainment is this. I love a good story. I love a good story. Raise your hand if you like a good story, whether it's in an oral form or, you know, you're reading or watching or whatever. I think we as humans, we love stories. And the reason why is because stories are powerful. I think we would all agree to that, whether, you know, you believe in Jesus or not. I think we can all agree that stories are powerful. Whether, you know, you're with your family and you're just telling them a story of what something you did when you were a kid, you're making them all laugh, you're you know, hanging out with your friends or your parents or whatever, you're just looking for a good time. Or whether you use a story to maybe teach your kids a lesson or something or to teach them an idea or a thought or whatever. Um, you know, you see people like me, I, I'll tell stories, do these things, you know, people um, who are teaching to try to get a point across. We see politicians use stories, you know, try to find, you know, relationship there with their constituents. We see people tell stories all the time. I like this quote. The purpose of a storyteller is not to tell you how to think, but to give you questions to think upon. A purpose of a good storyteller, a purpose of a storyteller is not to tell you how to think, but to give you questions to think upon. Today, we are going to talk about a story. And I know this is completely a mic problem, what I'm about to say, but it's just something I always struggle with. I've always had a problem with calling something out of scripture a story. But for some reason, in, my, in Mike's brain, when I hear the name story, I just think of fiction. That's just the way Mike's brain operates. Yours may not. That's just how it works for me. So whenever I hear the phrase Bible story, it makes it sound fake. And I don't like that. So I try to always say event, but I know that's just a Mike pet peeve. You know, other people, they don't see that at all. Because, you know, a lot of our stories are real things that happen. That's just always been one of my things. But Jesus told many stories. He used them to teach. He used them to relate. Jesus was a great storyteller. If you open up the Word and you start to look at his teachings, go find where there's red print. There's a good chance he's telling a story. Jesus was a great storyteller. Jesus spoke in parables. Parables are stories. They're stories that Jesus had and came up with in order to get an idea or a point across. That's Mike's definition. I'm not sure what the Oxford version is of a parable. But they're stories that were created to help get an idea or an understanding across. Jesus used them all the time because he knows that he could have an idea and it would help people understand something about God that was a little bit complicated. Because I think we can all agree there's times where God can seem kind of complicated. Especially if you're, you know, you're very new in the idea and you're reading like, man, this is just confusing. So Jesus told stories that connect to people and to make it more interesting and to understand and all this stuff. And so today we're going to read a story. It's one of the most famous ones. Many of you have heard it before, but if not, you're going to hear it today. It's the story of the lost son. And we're going to read it in Luke chapter 15. But really quickly, let me ask this question. I think this is in your notes. Who here has ever been lost? Maybe not on the spiritual side, but just physically. Who's ever been lost? Anybody? Yeah, all the men were like, yeah, all the elbows. I don't know what it is about us, but we hate asking for directions, don't we, guys? I don't know what it is. Me and Jenna, we were leaving a wedding last night. I said, honey, I think I can make it. I think I can get us out of here. And I did. We made it. Okay, I don't think we need to pull it up on there. I was, I was able to make it. But I, I've gotten lost all the time. I, I, it happens all the time. I remember, I can't believe remember if it was our first or second Sunday here before I was even hired. Me and Jenna got lost. 
We went to find the bathroom, and I thought we were going to miss the Sunday service because we, we were in the basement looking around like, where do we go? And so that's why we got to get signs, church. But anyway, we, we literally got lost. You know, it's whether we're going here or this. It's just a guy thing. I don't know. In my perspective, we get lost when we do these things. When we try something new, when we go somewhere new, when we act arrogant, or when we start to wonder. When we do those things, we seem to get lost. When we try something new, we go somewhere new, you know, we start to act a little arrogant, or when we start to kind of wander off from where we're comfortable, I think that's usually when we start to get lost. And here's the problem. When we wonder, and eventually we'll find ourselves somewhere we, where we don't know where we are, and we'll do whatever it takes to survive. We'll do whatever it takes to make ourselves feel good. We'll do whatever it takes. But the problem is sometimes the things we are grabbing, the things we are doing are so unhealthy for us that we're just grabbing what we can because we're lost and we're scared and we're freaking out. And we're going to see that in today's story. Think of someone, I'm not a big hiker. I love going outside, but I don't do a lot of hiking. I could walk around the trees, but I'm not a big hiker. If you've ever wandered off a trail before, you'll find yourself, that could be dangerous. You get lost. You're like, oh, I think I can make it. A couple hours later, no one knows where you're at. I, there's probably a sad statistic out there that tells us how many people a year you know, are killed or die because they wandered off a trail. I wonder how many of you here have ever maybe wandered into someone's personal life a little too much. Maybe you started asking just a few too many questions. You got your nose maybe where it didn't belong. And the next thing you know, there's hurt feelings. You know things you probably shouldn't have. Might have lost your job. Heard of friendship. What about those of you, you know, you're, on, you're online and you're scrolling. Maybe you're saying, oh, who's this? You click. Like, who's this person? Like, I'm going to kind of wonder into them. And next thing you know, you've been looking at this person for half an hour because, just because you liked the way they looked. And you find yourself wondering and lost in the sin of this lust. Church, when we wonder, we have problems. Look at it in the scriptural side. Look at the Israelites. You know, we just finished the series of the Ten Commandments. Um, on this journey, they were leaving Egypt to go to the land of Canaan. I was going to show you all a picture, but like I said, I don't have it. The journey from Egypt to Canaan was supposed to take them 11 days. If they would have done it correctly, good weather, good everything, it should have took them 11 days. They wandered in the desert for 40 years, probably because guys were in charge of directions. But they want, I'm just kidding, they wandered for 40 years because not that they wandered physically, but they wandered spiritually. So then God made them wander physically. When we, get, when we wonder, church, we get lost. So let me ask you, so, let me ask you this. Uh, this is kind of just a standalone series today I wanted to do. I feel like fall, it's almost here. You know, it's next week, September. You guys realize that? Have you got your Christmas list ready? I mean, I mean, it's coming. Have you bought your pumpkins? Jenna, the pumpkins have come out at our house. She's pulling them out. I don't even know how many pumpkins we have at the house. We're making this curve. We're like in the middle of this curve right now in the year 2022. And as soon as we get through, it's like a straight shot. The weather starts turning. Before you know, it'll be 2023. I would bet some of us have gotten ourselves in a spot that we don't like. We had goals, we had resolutions at the beginning of the year, we had plans, but then those went away real quick, and we spent the last eight months wondering, and we've gotten lost, and so we've done whatever it takes to make us feel better, and you don't know how you got here, but it's been eight months, and you right now are struggling in a spot of sin and guilt, and just, ugh, and you have no idea how you got there. Church, it's time to come home today. It's time to come home. 
it's time to come home. Let's look in Luke chapter 15. This is a story that Jesus read. We're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but the majority of the morning we will be in Luke, okay? We're going to bounce around a tad, but the majority of the morning we will be in Luke chapter 15. Let's open up here. This is Jesus. Um, now the tax collectors, verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. So we've got Jesus here, and he's eating. He's hanging out with people who are not Christian. He's hanging out with the Pharisees. He's hanging out with the tax collectors who were not you know, known as the good people in the community. They weren't liked. In other words, Jesus is hanging out with sinners. Let's take a step aside. Just, I'm going to step outside the notes, the sermon, just for a moment. We in this life are what? We're supposed to be more Christ-like, correct? We should live our lives, are trying our best to mimic how Christ lived. Jesus ate with the sinners. When was the last time you shared a meal or shared time with people who weren't like you? We see Jesus doing this, and then he goes into his first story. We're not going to read through this one, but his first story he reads is the parable of the lost sheep. You guys can read it on your own. It's very short. But it basically tells about how this shepherd, he has, you know, 100 sheep, and one wonders, and he asks the question, does a good shepherd not leave the rest to go find the one? And then he relates us back to how God does the same thing. Then he goes on to his next story. This one's very short. I'm not sure if it's the shortest parable, but it's got to be up there. It's the parable of the lost coin. Talks about a woman who has, you know, some money. She's got several coins, but she lost one, and she can't find it. And she's looking everywhere, and eventually she finds her one coin, and she's happy, and she rejoices. But she doesn't just celebrate herself. She goes, she doesn't call her neighbors, but she goes and tells her neighbors, and they rejoice. They celebrate because she found the coin she'd been looking for. And this connection is talking all about how God, he, we, he celebrates whenever just one comes home. And now we move into the third story. You can kind of see a connection a little bit of these three. In those first two, it talks about the one that's maybe lost or the one that's been forgotten, the one who struggles. But Jesus is sitting there, and he's telling these Pharisees, he's telling these people who think they're too good, he tells them, one's worth fighting for. That's his message. Let's read. We're going to be in verse, starting in verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Very quickly, we've got a man. He has two sons. Okay, he's wealthy. We can kind of we can kind of figure that out because he has several people working on his land. He's you know he's doing he's doing pretty well from a financial stance. The guy's got two sons. One son goes, "Hey, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance. Give me my side of the money. Give me my half, and then I'm just going to go do my own thing. Like I love you. I'm just going to go do my own thing. You know? Okay. He's he's tired of being at home. Makes sense. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got up, or excuse me, got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild living. And when we read that, we may say, well, what is this wild living? The guy, he gets his wish. Dad gives him all the funds he wants. He gives his part of the estate. Well, then he goes off and he blows it. Church, I could blow some money and just ask Jenna, so I understand. Maybe not like this. But it asks, asks the question, what was this wild living? If you bounce all the way down to verse 30, it tells us what the wild living was. But this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, and you kill the fattened calf for him. It tells us that his wild living is women. 
He's buying prostitutes. He's probably partying. He's probably drinking and taking things he doesn't maybe need to. He's living his life a little bit too much to the edge. He's living a wild life. Verse 14. After he had spent everything, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So we see the guy, the son, he, you know, he got his share of the estate. He went and he blew it all off. He blew it on women and partying. He probably had some fun, but not for long. And then now he's like, well, what am I going to do? I have to make money. I have to be able to support myself or I'm going to die. He hires himself out to a farmer or at least out to a man who you know, owns farmland. And his job is to tend to the pigs. And this is one part, by the way, of the story that's very misunderstood. And I kind of want to read this again. It says that he longed his stomach to fill with the pods that the pigs were eating. A lot of times when we think that, we're thinking that this guy, he has, he's, he's so hungry that he wants to eat the slop. He wants to eat the pig slop that we think of in today's world. That's actually not completely true. It, this was going to be on the screen. I don't have it. Whenever, it actually tells us if we look at the translation, the word here is a Greek word that is keraton. And it's used in the plural as this, the fruits of the carob tree. Carob pods, it's a type of vegetable. Like I, said, I was going to show you all a picture. And it kind of looks like chocolate beans, but it's not taste like chocolate. They look like green beans, but they're black. Google carob pods whenever you get home. You can kind of see what they look like. Not exactly appetizing and whatnot. And just imagine yourself for a minute being in a position to where the only thing you want to eat is the things you're feeding the lowest of these animals. Just imagine that for a second. That's how low you've gotten. The only thing that sounds good to you is like you're so hungry. It doesn't say that he was fantasizing about a steak. It doesn't say that he was fantasizing about a feast or wine or the ro whatever it was. He was, fan he was wanting what the pigs got. Church, he was lost. He wandered, and now he's found himself lost. Lost so much that he would do anything just to fill himself. Sound familiar? Is there anyone here today who's been wondering and everything you just wanted, all, you just, you'll take whatever to feel better? Let's keep reading. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So the son's got a plan. He's tired of wanting to eat what the pigs eat. He's like, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to make an apology. I'm like, hey, Dad, you don't have to give me any more money. You don't have to like, you know, make me part of the family. I'll even work in the lowest level. I'll become one of your servants, but at least I'll get fed. Hey, I'll start from the bottom. I'll do whatever it is. He starts coming up with this plan. Think about this for a second. Think of the humility that would take if you're in that position. Church, I hate to admit when I'm wrong. Ask Jenna. I hate it. I don't like admitting that I'm messed up. I don't like admitting that I'm there. Imagine being at this position, this guy who just blew all this money the dad's given him, and now he's heading back home to say, Dad, I messed up. Imagine the humility just that right there would take. Part of the story we don't think about very often. 
Talk about guts. Verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to his father, just like he had practiced, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no worthy. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring in the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. So then they begin to celebrate. This guy, he blew everything he had. He had to take a humble pill. He goes back home. And before he even gets the chance to apologize, as soon as the dad sees him, what does he do? He runs to him before he could even say sorry. Church, how many of you this year have wondered and you've gotten lost? You look up like, I don't know how I got myself in this mess, but I want it to be out. Let me tell you this, Jesus cares more about what you're going to do today than what you've done the last eight months. All he wants to do is to see your direction on where you're going. You know what he does? He runs to you and puts his arms around you before you even get the chance to apologize. Has there been anyone who's been wondering too much this year? He cares more about your direction, not so much about your past. Don't believe me? Psalms 103 says, as far as the east is from the West, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Has anyone been wondering? Has anyone wondered this year? The dad in the story is God, and we are this child who's run away. The father offers protection from harassment. He offers reconciliation. He offers forgiveness. This is the same gift that God offers us, but it also shows us how much we should do that for others. Matthew chapter 9 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think some of us have been like sheep without a shepherd this year, church. We've wondered. And God looks at us and he's like, man, they just look helpless. But instead of leaving us alone, all he wants to do is see your direction before he even got the chance to apologize, the dad runs to him, opens up his arms. Ask yourself right now, what direction are you going in? That's not the end of the story. Let's keep reading. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called on one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brothers come home, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf. There must have been one fat calf, church, because they keep calling it this the fattened calf. I'm just, I, just, I don't know why that stood out to me. Your father's killed the fattened calf because he has made his way back safe and sound. But then the older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. So, he, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And, you never, and I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. 
But this son of yours, notice he doesn't say brother, but this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home and you kill the fattened calf for him. I can't blame the brother, church. I'd be a little upset too. (laughs) Can't blame him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Church, I think some of us, I think some of us have been the son who's wondered. I think some of us have become the son who was jealous. Now, speaking of movies and characters, when we read this story, who do you identify as? Do you identify yourself as the son who ran off? Do you identify as the brother who remained faithful but struggles with jealousy? Do you, maybe you see yourself as the townspeople who's maybe on the outside, but you're celebrating and probably judging and pointing fingers. Where do you identify in this story? Because I think some of us have gotten, we're maybe a little snooty. We're like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Where's the attention for me? Why can't we have a party for me? Like, why do we care about them? It's about me. I've been here. I've been good. But yet Jesus is telling us these stories that it, the 99 is great. You'll have your reward, but the one is lost, and go get them. I want to give you just a little bit of application. This will be, I'll, I'll try to read these slowly so you can get them. It won't be on the screen. It's, on your, it's in your bulletin. Who do you identify as? I think most of us were either the son that wondered or the son that's jealous. Okay? If you're struggling with jealousy right now, and you're like, well, you know, I've been faithful. Why is there no celebration for me? Because it's not about us. But here's some advice for you. Try this. The first thing you need to do if you're struggling with this is this. Speak truth. Those who are struggling, speak truth. Those who are struggling, but they are coming to see Jesus maybe for the first time, don't sugarcoat it. Speak truth to them. Don't tell them their sins are okay. But be honest. Be truthful. The second thing is this, but give mercy. Give, show mercy. I, when I was writing this the other day, I, I really started to reflect. Um, I won't tell you his name, obviously, but I, I've got a good buddy. And I see myself as the brother who judges in the story when I'm talking about him. Because I felt like it was just like every few months he went through a Jesus phase. Like, you know, he's on high and he's doing these things. The next thing you know, whoo, complete opposite. And I feel like I was always on the side like, man, just stop. Why are you trying? Pointing the finger. It's like, why is, he, why is everyone celebrating him? I've been faithful. Well, I wonder why the reason he keeps going back is because there's people like me judging, not helping. Church, show mercy. What about this, number three? Extend grace. Extend grace. Number four, bestow blessings. Bless those who need it. Number five is confer honor. Show honor to them. It's a big step. When someone chooses Jesus for the first time, when someone decides to put the bottle away for the first time, when someone decides to get rid of this for the first time, when someone decides to do this for the first time, you need to honor them. Have a little mini party because they just did something that was so difficult that you can't even imagine. Last one is this, never give up. Those people who are lost in your life, don't give up on them. Don't give up. Speak truth, give mercy, extend grace, 
bestow blessings, can give them honor, and then never give up on them. Well, Mike, that's not me. <laughs> I feel like I'm lost. I feel like this year I've wondered. I just want to encourage you right now, guys. It does not matter what you've done in the last eight months. It only matters what you're going to do today. Where is your direction right now? Jesus just wants you to show an effort. He'll meet you where you are. He just wants you to step outside. <laughs> so I, know I feel like I always ask myself, how did I get into this mess? How did I do this? Because as we don't know, we just do this one little mistake, and it what? It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Next thing you know, like, ah, I'm lost. Who's lost today? Father, Lord, forgive us for wondering.